And another thing, season two has just begun. This podcast continues to break records, set records, shatter records. We just do everything in the whole spectrum. You know, actually, Guinness, Guinness Book of World Records has been just emailing me nonstop. What is the secret to this amazing podcast? So, you know what? One of these days, I'll return their call. My name is Jody Jenkins. I'm Tony Clement. Season two, episode one. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, it's hard to believe that we have made it through an entire year, and we are so excited for what's to come. And before we get to anything, I should say, big shout out to Municipal Solutions, John Mutton and the crew, the official presenting sponsor of our program. We are so happy to have them with us. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. Yes, Tony, Tony, you want to give some love to our other sponsors as well? I also want to say about Municipal Solutions, they're good for business development, market analysis, energy and infrastructure advancement, strategic planning, stakeholder and government relations, and public policy development, municipalsolutions.ca, and also merchantfreedom.ca. They are your trusted experts in credit card processing and in merchant services. They have low rates, fast and easy processing, no hidden terms and fees, and e-commerce solutions. And they have a special for our veterans. So if you are a veteran that has a new entrepreneurial service, uh, they are offering a special deal via virtuous payments where there is no setup fee, no cancellation fee, and no contracts. Check out merchantfreedom.ca. And that's all the time we have for today's episode. Make sure you join us next week. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, exactly. No, we are very, we are very appreciative of our sponsors. And I should say this: if you are a business person that is listening to the program and you want to sponsor one of the highest rated podcasts in the world, you should reach out to us because I'll tell you what, we reach the masses and we, we would do. love to have you as a part of this show. But we don't reach, Jody. What? The elites. Yeah, we don't read. Yeah, if you want, I wasn't going to go down this road. If you want to reach, the, if you want to reach the wealthy elites, I will give you the name of a podcast. Well, no, I won't give you the name. I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with early curly. You can reach out if you if you can't figure that out. If you want to reach the elites, you can go work with that podcast. But we're with the masses. We're with the masses. If you want the average working class citizen, and not just a couple of them, the masses, exactly. all of them, all of them, they're listening to us. So, you know, okay, Tony, I'm just uh, I'm trying to get it back on the rails here. Um, we're going to introduce our guests. I'm going to have you introduce them in a second. But I just remind me at the end of the program, we got to talk about your COVID wedding. Yes. And I've got some discussions about endorsements for politicians. So just make sure we don't forget oh, to talk about that. I know where you're going on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, good, oh, good. yeah. So I'll let you introduce our guests because this I'm excited about this one. Yes. Uh, we are pleased at another thing at and another thing podcast to introduce another international guest. We are an international program. We've had folks from the UK and the USA and uh, other parts in between. But today, direct from Munich, Germany, we have Mr. Christian Katner, who is joining us. Uh, Christian Katner is the Secretary General of the International Democrat Union, which is uh, chaired by Stephen Harper. It is the kind of the fraternal organization, umbrella organization for, for right of center uh, political parties, uh, 
around the world. There's uh, 80 plus members. He has also been very active in German politics with the Christian Social Union, which is the kind of the conservative party of Bavaria and is part of the coalition uh, in Germany. Christian Katner, welcome to our program. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Jody. I'm excited to be on your podcast. It's uh, it's amazing. Thank you for having me. So it's great, great to have you. Great to have you. So I guess the first question is a COVID question. I know that there's been some uh, some activity in Germany, uh, Europe. Really, uh, COVID cases are are getting higher and higher and higher, just as they are in Canada. So tell us uh, from your vantage point, what's what's going on in Germany and uh, how are you guys faring? Oh, well, uh, we're heading the, the cold season in Germany right now and we're seeing the numbers rising, rising to a top we haven't figured out for five weeks ago. We were kind of pleased with 2,000 infections per day. Today, I was told we have 19,200, so we we have uh, quite a lot, and the government has taken some action. So we're having from Monday on, we have a partial lockdown for all over Germany, uh, where, for example, restaurants are closed, you don't have the possibility to go to your sports club, to your gym, or we are... Uh, public life should be reduced. You should reduce contacts, but we keep schools open. So that's the main message from our government. Wow! Wow! And and wh- how did it affect uh, Oktoberfest in in Munich? Uh, oh, that's that's a re- that's that's the biggest pity we've uh, <laughs> experienced this year. Um, Oktoberfest 2020 was called off very early in beginning of. May, maybe April, end of April, May. Um, it's it's impossible to have such a big event. Six million people coming in two weeks to Munich, celebrating, hugging each other, drinking beer together. Uh, that was impossible. And it was very clear right from the beginning that this cannot happen in 2020. And I was told that if we do not have a proper vaccination strategy for 21 might be difficult to have the 2021 20, Oktoberfest as well. So I keep my fingers crossed that they get along with the vaccine. I would say so. And uh, boy, that's uh, a lot of lederhosen that's not being worn. Uh, tell you, well, I tried my on there still fitting, um, and, but I'm getting excited to, to get them out and in the beer. All yeah, well, and Jody's laughing, but the, I've I, I've seen Christian's lederhosen. He does have lederhosen. I don't, oh. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. <laughs> well, that's kind of our costume. We we love it. We live with it, and we are proud to show it. Exactly, exactly. So, um, getting on to uh, politics in Germany for a second. Uh, obviously, uh, Angela Merkel. What a what a storied career she's had. She's had. Ups and downs, uh, she has announced. She's the chancellor, of course, and uh, she has announced that she's moving on. She did that, uh, I think, over a year ago now. So tell us about the the state of politics in Germany now. Well, she got a very interesting momentum with this COVID crisis. Uh, As you mentioned, in her career, she had ups and downs, uh, but she always was very strong when it came to 
crisis situation. We had the, the financial crisis, we had the migration crisis. This was very disputed, but she survived and she was remaining strong with the government. And uh, well, we have seen that the coalition by beginning of last year, we had uh, narrowing between the conservative parties and the green parties. But ever since the COVID crisis spiked, she had her moment again, and the, the polls for uh, the conservative parties, CDU and CSU, are getting up again. We have reached 38 at the peak, and currently we're pulling about 35%. So we have distanced the Greens. So that's the most important uh, um, point for us right now. So we are stable, but she will leave by September 21. So. We have to find a new leader and a new chancellor candidate. Okay. And what about the, the, the I know uh, with the rise of populism, especially after the, uh, the crisis with the migrants, uh, that the far right in Germany, uh, alternative for Deutschland, was really gaining steam. Has that stopped now or what's the state of that? Well, the alternative for Germany has a very interesting history. It was actually uh, counter-battling the, the measures of Angela Merkel and the financial crisis. It was founded by microeconomics professors and intellectuals, but uh, very soon it was taken over by right-wing populists. And in the summer 2015, they... Actually, we're dead. The, the AFD was dead, but then the migration crisis came along and they hit records for records in for a newcomer party in Germany. They have been represented in all uh, state parliaments right now and in the Bundestag, our federal government. And they had their peak by 12, 14%. In average, I think they have dropped at the moment to six to eight depends which state you're looking at um they have they have a momentum but what turns out uh, especially in the in the covid crisis you see only the really hardcore right-wing and right-wing extremists neo-nazi guys prevailing and the reasonable conservative macroeconomic guys already have, have left for a long time the afd well, I, that's very interesting. So uh, in a sense, uh, that kind of populism kind of reached a plateau. Now you've got, uh, I guess, Green Party populism is also a factor in German politics. Is that right? Well, um, the Greens have made a shift from their beginning in the 80s. Well, they were the anti-NATO uh, um, double um, contract, nuclear contract party they were for the peace and the environment and they have marched through the institutions into the center kindly they they kind of they want to drag away voters from the center left which cdu partly is also looking for so um they have moved with the leadership to the center but their basis is still very left-leaning and uh ex no, no not extremist but um further right, uh, sorry, further left-leaning than sometimes uh, the Social Democrats. 
It's interesting because, of course, you know, the, the issues that fired them up, uh, say, a decade or two ago have become very mainstream uh, for CDU, for the governing Conservative Party. So it's not as if Germany is, a, is, a, is doing nothing about climate change. It's not as if those issues are being ignored. Uh, and there's a movement to more renewable energy that is well placed in Germany. It's been around for a long time now. So those kinds of issues are, are not really issues for most political parties now. And then the other issues about NATO, I mean, they're not, no one's really, there's no political advantage to criticizing NATO at this point, I wouldn't think. Not, not at all. Well, um, you're completely right. Well, they have a very... A peace approach to international relations, that's, that's the main issue. And NATO is a kind of an obstacle in this, in their worldview. And, uh, but when, it, what I want to stress in the other topic, the climate topic, that the funny thing about environmental policy in Germany is, for example, the Bavaria had the first environmental government in a uh, ministry for the government. So we have established this in the seventies, but we, failed to sell this approach, this policy approach in the 80s and 90s. And so the Greens could take over this. For us, uh, preserving the environment is a heartfelt core topic as CSU. But we are not uh, ignoring the economy. So we, we think that economy and environment can be combined and we can develop new economical fields, we can develop uh, structures and, and, and strategies to improve this. And we just selling this from my point of view, still to less. We're improving, but uh, uh, we shall, shall not give all the credits for this thing to the Greens, that the environmental policy is just a green left-leaning thing. We can have this as well. Do you have... Uh I'm moving back into COVID a little bit now and sort of the, some of the populism around that. Do you have an anti-mask movement at all or an anti-lockdown movement in Germany? Well, we, we see this around, yeah, this, um, the, how, how, how to explain it? They call it queerdenker, thinking around the edge. I would translate it into English. Um, those guys um, is... Having their moment right now, they're, they go out, have demonstrations in Berlin, in Munich. Um, but it's a very heterogeneous group and coming from esoteric guys from, from, from environmental movement up to uh, those QAnon figures, we see them around, but also really hardcore right-wing extremists taking over there. Uh, over the movement and this is something this is not mainstream in germany this is uh, still a very small minority but uh -huh. they are loud jody? they are loud they're making noise they're making noise yeah jody what what do you think what uh, what questions do you have for our guest oh i'm going to throw him some really easy ones because i was just looking at his twitter account and i noticed that the header at the top of it is a picture of um marty mcfly and doc from back to the future And it says the doc saying, whatever happens, Marty, don't go back to, or don't go to 2020. So I got to ask, are you a big fan of Back to the Future? 
Uh, it's well, it's part of my youth. Yeah, all, all <laughs> part of it. Uh, it I was on. It. it was on the other night. I watched it. It was on TV, so it was kind of random that I pull up your Twitter account and that was there. But it's uh, it's so true. Doc was bang on. Marty should not go to twenty twenty. I know it's it's all coming back home to roost now. And are you? This is totally off topic, Christian, and probably not even anything that you thought you'd be commenting on. Have you seen the movie Terminator? Uh, various times. <laughs> yes. So it was on last night, and yeah. I, it was funny, Tony and Christian, because I was just looking at the description. I was watching it, and I haven't watched him forever. But Terminator. So that movie's set in 1984, and Terminator was from 2029. So I just thought it was funny because I'm pretty sure nine years from now we're not going to have anything remotely close to the Terminator available to uh, hunt people down. So I thought you that don't was think funny. the robots are taking over the world yet? Not, not to the <laughs> not to the extent that uh, Schwarzenegger was portraying, because I just don't see that coming to fruition in nine years. Well, I, I hope not. Although with 2020 as our as our cornerstone, you never know. So. Well, you don't ever know. But no, I, uh, I I I appreciate your time, Christian. And I know Tony's probably got some other questions. I but uh, I, I mean, you, you've actually raised the uh, raised some interesting points. Do do you do Germans? How do Germans feel about the depiction of Germans? in popular culture like Hollywood and so on. It's changed over the years, I know that. But is that something that is discussed at all uh, amongst Germans? Mm, well, uh, when I grew up in the 80s, uh, I still saw the Germans mostly being portrayed as, as soldiers coming from World War II. But, um, well, we have seen a lot of pictures, uh, movies, with uh, Berlin as a place to... Uh, be uh, the setting for for uh, spy stories or whatever, and so you see a very lively and interesting, energetic city. And this is kind of I think this changed in the last ten fifteen years. So you have a modern, open minded society, and this is portrayed quite well, I think, in the Hollywood movies lately. So Tony, not to interrupt again, just because you brought it up, but remember Sprockets from Saturday Night Live? Do you remember that at all, Christian? No, I don't know. I'm sorry for you that. You remember that, Tony? No, I don't remember that. You it's... don't remember Dana Carvey's skit, Via Sprockets, We Must Dance? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember it now. Sounds yeah. crazy. Okay. So, Christian, you need to look up Sprockets, Saturday Night Live, and then get back to us on whether that is accurate. And there's I, an will, amazing, I will do. <laughs> there's an amazing episode of Community involving foosball in Germans. I don't know if you're a fan oh, of we're, that. We're passionate about foosball. <laughs> so that one's accurate, then. We know that and one's that, accurate. This is very accurate. And I can tell you, after we, we this recording, I will go out with my boy to his soccer club, football club, and we will have the last match for the next four weeks. So we will enjoy this in the autumn sun today. So we're very passionate about it. Uh, I and I got I've got to do a plug for one more TV show uh, that is set in Berlin. It's called Counterpoint. I don't know if you ever heard of that show, but it's 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 a really uh, interesting show where there's two worlds that were, are in parallel to one another, and suddenly there's an opening so that you can actually go from one world to the other, and the opening is in Berlin. There's All right. Actually, a corridor and so what happens is people from one world go to, to another world and there's a there's a peace agreement amongst the two worlds that starts to break down 
Uh, very interesting sort of sci-fi concept. And uh, Berlin, of course, is the the epic setting of that because of, I guess, because of the wall and uh, because it was really between two worlds for decades. Uh, and it has that it has that vibe in popular culture. So I'd recommend Counterpoint to to you as well. I definitely will check this out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. You want you want to talk about uh, what you're doing with the IDU these days, the International Democrat Union? What's happening in the, the world of right of center political parties? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for this 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 segue to the IDU. Well, this is my my main job, and I'm I'm very passionate about international politics and party corporations. Uh, the IDU is was founded in '83. We were at this corner point in Berlin's time, spy time. We were founded at the peak of the Cold War to counter battle uh, Soviet Union ideology. And we've emerged, as you mentioned before, up to 80 parties around the globe. And we were meeting frequently where well, we've been Chile lately. We have been in Washington. So it's, it was a big gathering of center-right conservative politician uh, campaigners who think about the future of, of our campaigns and how we can uh, win elections again. And what happened? Well, we, we face the same problems as everyone in COVID times. We are grounded. So bringing together 150, 200 people from all around the world to one place is almost impossible in these times. So we moved to uh, the webcasts and and. We, we, we don't have a podcast, but uh, we, we participated in podcasts before. So uh, we spread our message, and this is uh, how we can uh, win elections again. And this is the most important thing for us, uh, training our campaigners to see what's going on, what was done best, for example, in the, uh, in the European election last year and uh, the New Zealand election. So we're doing this more training style right now, but we're having uh, uh, the what was originally the, the Washington meeting in December. We have moved this to a four-day webcast uh, event, one hour per day, four days in a row, just to keep our people informed what happened in the U.S., what's happening with the pandemic, what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening in Tanzania. So um, this is... A lot to cover, and we are very excited to have this set in the beginning of December. How how are conservative parties doing? Obviously, we we know about the New Zealand election where Jacinda uh, Ardern was yeah. just uh, unbeatable, uh, and obviously the Labour Party had a historic win there. But how, how can you say generally how conservative parties are faring in the world today? Well, uh, last year, especially in, in Latin America, we have seen a more center right conservative move in, in well we have brazil we had bolivia um but there's currently more a backslash coming there the, so the left is very focused on tackling these governments in europe uh well uh, it's a mixture well yeah uh, still the conservatives in the uk you still have the cdu in germany you have a conservative norwegian government so we do pretty well in europe but uh, uh, the next years, I think there will be uh, heavy campaigning to, to maintain this. This will be hard to ma be maintained. And yeah, and the most important uh, election for us is the U.S. election right now, next week. So 
Um, I'm curious how this will turn out. Um, from a European perspective, there's an overall kind of sentiment to it, Trump and the Republicans. But for us at the IDU, the Republicans are one of the most trustworthy and stable and solid parties. And we keep our fingers crossed that they, the party uh, is doing good. And, well, especially the Senate, the Senate race. I'm following the Senate race. This is something that's strikes me personally very most right now. Yeah, it's not just about the White House. Uh, no. Obviously, yeah, there's a, a lot of views about that. But uh, you want, uh, as if you're if you support conservatism, you also want conservatives to be well represented in, uh, in the houses uh, of uh, of the United States. So, well, and the gubernatorial houses too. So it's it's a multi-dimensional thing. We will we will all learn together on Tuesday and the weeks and months that follow. But in the meantime, I want to thank our guest, uh, Christian Katner of the International Democrat Union, telling us what's going on in Bavaria and beyond. Thank you for being part of our program. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, Tony, for having me. And I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you and all the best for your podcast season two. I'm excited as well. Hopefully he goes and takes a look for that Sprockets clip. <laughs> yeah. We are sprockets. We must dance. Yes. And the foosball clip from uh, Community, which is classic as well. <laughs> okay. So we are running out of time here. Yes. We've got two topics yes. COVID wedding and political endorsements. I'll tell you right now, I am just going to unload on the endorsements issue. So I don't know what you want to do first here, but. Well, let's do the wedding first. Get get the wedding done, and then we can uh, we can do that. So the the COVID wedding, my son's wedding took place. Uh, there were fifty people there. There was no dancing allowed. Uh, so it's I know it sounds terrible, but it was just uh, wonderful to have even that many people together to celebrate uh, my son and daughter in law's wedding. So uh, all's well that ended well. There was a couple of dramatic moments uh, when. The ladies were getting their hair and makeup done. I think, you know, seven ladies in a room getting their hair and makeup done before a wedding. Probably not a, a sight that I wanted to see, nor did I. I was with the groom all morning. Uh, and then uh, the other the other thing, that, uh, Emily, the, the bride, did a, a wonderful job of floral decorations in the banquet hall. And uh, and she had these uh, these tall candles on the floor uh, as part of the floral decorations. Uh, and so pro tip, when you have that kind of decoration, you always have to be careful where you're stepping. And sure enough, the bridal gown caught on fire at one point. Oh, boy. And, and had to be stamped out with her. So there's some large holes in, in uh, part of the bridal gown. It was it was not a complete you know, obviously incendiary situation, but uh, got to watch where you're stepping when you have candles as part of the decorations. That's all I can say. And I got to be honest, Tony, as look, I know it's different from being the, the father of the bride or the groom or a family member. But as someone who could potentially attend a covid wedding as a friend, maybe I got to say covid weddings sound much more appealing than regular weddings. They probably are faster. Uh, there's not as much going on. You can get it in and out quickly. And uh, there's fewer of them because people are rescheduling. So to me, it sounds like a win win. Uh, it was uh, yeah, you're right. It was faster. Uh, we cer- certainly didn't last till one thirty or two. I think we all uh, clambered out of there at eleven a eleven p.m. So it was fast, and uh, yeah, you could if you didn't want to uh, 
talk to anybody. You just stayed at your table. <laughs> so that, that worked out fine. Did uh, Sam Oosterhoff drop by for a picture or? <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, he, was, he was there in Niagara rather than in Cambridge. So. That would be a good gimmick for him. He should just travel around to large events and get his picture taken with no mask on. <laughs> the wedding crusher. Yeah, exactly. Now, what okay. did you want to talk about? So there's been a couple big athletic endorsements of Trump uh, as of late. Jack Nicholas and Bobby Orr. And, and I just and wanted Brett, to... And Brett Favre. And Brett Favre. Yes, that's right. So I just wanted to point out a couple things. Like I've seen some friends of mine on Facebook who I would consider on the left side of the spectrum just lose their minds over this. Like Jack Nicholas, they were saying he, they have no respect for him. Obviously, he can change, he can state his opinion, but literally like saying, I have no respect for the man. I know a guy who's a good friend of mine who was putting up pictures of Bobby Orr in his house, saw this endorsement and took the pictures down and they will no longer be up because, as he says, character matters. And that's I I respect people's views like that. But what my whole thing that I'm just livid about is the lengths to which these people are going to state their views on the individual that has offered up these endorsements. And I feel like it's it's like they're compensating or trying to over or be over the top virtuous in that, you know, anyone that endorses Trump, I'm going to just come over the top with my view on how I feel about them because I'll tell and you tell me if I'm wrong, Tony, I know that for me, I have lots of friends that have endorsed Trudeau as an example. I have yeah. not for one second ever said, I'm not going to be their friend anymore. I'm not going to, I have no respect for that person. Like you look at Don Lemon the other night or Lamont on CNN said that he's he has to cut his friends out of his life because they support Trump. Like, I don't know anybody on the right side of the spectrum that does that with people that, that endorse lefties. Do you, I, I yeah. haven't seen that. No. And I, you know, look, uh, throughout my life, I've had people in my life who are conservatives, but also socialists, uh, you know, uh, people of all ilks. And, uh, if I had to just decide to cut people out of my life, just on the basis of they, they're them having another political opinion, what a sad commentary on me as an individual. And <laughs> exactly, I, you know, like, like let's, uh, you don't like Trump. Some people hate Trump. A lot of people hate Trump in Canada, it appears. That's fine. That That's your political view. If I had to cut out of, out of my entertainment world, people that disagree with me, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen or, uh, you know, most of the cast of the Avengers, except for Chris Pratt, uh, <laughs> whatever, then, then you're just cutting yourself out from things that you try to separate their political views from what other, what else they're doing, their entertainment or other things that they're doing in their lives. Maybe their philanthropy, who knows, but, um, that isn't the way cancel culture works, Jody. So, uh, you, you know, uh, if, if Trump is unacceptable for X or Y reasons, all of a sudden, anyone who, uh, supports Trump for whatever reason is automatically canceled. That's the culture that exists right now. Uh, and it is being amplified by social media. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's unbelievable and it's gone too far. And, you know, people will say, Oh, well, Trudeau's not in the same boat, but you know what? Go back to his blackface thing. And look, I'm not, I'm not trying to dredge that up, but there were people that were genuinely upset about that. Like it really bothered them. So you can't diminish their feelings. 
it bothered yet, Borat. Yeah, bothered like, Borat. yeah, like it's like I I don't know. I you just know find you know talking about the Borat movie. Oh yeah, it's a very nice. You no, know, the, nice. the blue one has blackface. So yeah. uh, so as a as a as a proof point for how uh, uh, North American politicians are uh, evil or whatever. But uh, but the the fact of the matter is. Like, you know, and you can say, well, Trump is racist. Therefore, if you support Trump, you're racist. Therefore, I, 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 I'll have nothing to do with you. Well, you know, uh, Joe Biden supported segregation for many decades of his uh, congressional and senatorial career. Uh, but that's OK. We, we'll forgive yeah. that. Yeah. But so anyway, we're it's, it's just a crazy time. And it is. I, I actually texted Bobby Orr this morning. And said, "Hey, you know, just just to let you know, I I, I think you're a great guy, and uh, and I hope you're doing well. Uh, that's yeah, all no, I that's that's good. To say. I, I wasn't going to bring up the politics or pro Trump, anti Trump. Uh, you know, you're a great guy. He's done so much for philanthropy, so much for the game of hockey, so much for Perry Sound, so much for uh, you know sports gentleman b- behavior. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge him on one decision." That's yeah. that's what's happening. That yeah. actually, that's the issue. They're judging people on one decision, whether yeah. it's Jack, Jack Nicholas, Brett Favre, Chris Pratt, whoever, uh, yeah. Kid Rock, you know, whatever. You're judging them on one decision rather than looking at the totality of their life. That's the same thing that is condemning Sir Johnny McDonald yeah, amongst some people. So oh, I, geez. don't get I, me started on that one now. Yeah. But I just don't go. I don't judge people by one decision in their lives. I do not do that, and nor should anyone else. And thank, thank, I'll say right now, thank goodness that a lot of my friends haven't judged me on one decision from my life because there's been a lot of them that are not the best decisions. And I, you know, so thankfully that's not the case. Well, people, a lot of glass houses out there, Jody. That's all I can say. So anyway, municipalsolutions.ca. Thanks to uh, the team there for their continued support as well as Merchant Freedom. You can find all that information by going to and another thing podcast. .ca, our amazing website. Tony, we're looking forward to a great election week down in the U.S., and I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about in seven days. We have somebody very special lined up for election week, uh, so uh, please continue to subscribe and rate uh, our broadcast. It's all very much appreciated. Enjoy the rest of your week, Tony. You too, man.